welcome back to episode two of the Gwendolyn Reading Method podcast, where we all get to marvel at the ridiculousness of how I read. Granted, it enables me to read 200 plus books a year, but it is craziness, pure craziness. Every week we will take a peek at a sliver of that crazy, and you can laugh hysterically at me, or maybe you can glean something a little more rational for your own reading practice. After the insane reading advice section, we'll talk about the books I've finished and the books I'm currently reading, and culminate with a recommendation of one of my all-time favoritest books that I want everyone to read. But before we jump in, I've got to say after doing one episode, oh my god, I didn't realize how self-conscious listening to just my voice was going to make me. I mean, I was a bit self-conscious for the first few months of my YouTube videos going up, and then I kind of got used to it. I guess I unreasonably expected that I wouldn't have the same curve with podcasts since I'd already done video, right? But nope. It's something about it being just the voice that makes me cringe at every squeak and every unenunciated word. I'm trying to shake it off and not let it get to me and just enjoy the bookish conversation. So let's just jump in with the dubious advice. Last time we talked about when I find time in my schedule to read. Today we're going to talk about how to not go bankrupt when you have a voracious reading habit. I mean, let's do the math. 200 books a year, if I paid full price for all of them, I'd be spending thousands and thousands of dollars every year. I am not that rich. So what do I do, you may ask? Is there some sort of Netflix for books that's actually affordable? Because we know there has been some attempts at doing a, a Netflix type subscription for books, but none of them have been really affordable. And the answer is, it's your local library. I know obvious, right? But I know a lot of voracious readers who have just, for whatever reason, not wanted to figure out the local library system. Some things I hear. One, my local branch is small. It doesn't have a lot of books. Well, there's this kind of amazing thing set up in almost all library systems called interlibrary loan. And any book at any branch, you can put a hold on and someone will trundle it over to your branch so you can pick it up. It's like an Amazon locker for books. Like how I keep trying to make tech metaphors, I guess trying to make this all more cool or something. But seriously, librarians were doing some seriously cool disruptive systems long before the tech giants existed. Okay, next thing I hear. I mean, yeah, I can get the book delivered to the branch close to my house, but I still have to go there. Then I have good news. Most library systems now have e-media systems where you can check out ebooks and audiobooks and have them download directly to your phone. Uh, most library systems that I know use Overdrive and or Libby, which are basically the same app by the same company. Just, I guess, one is hipper and the other is for those of us curmudgeons who figured out the little more complicated overdrive and don't want to have to learn the new thing, which is Libby. Anyway, either app you use, it's great. You don't have to leave the house to check out books, which is great for us introverts. Okay, then the final thing I'll hear in this process is, oh well, but I'm part of a small library. Its e-media system is really not so great. The selection is just poor. It's just not worth it for me. Well, 
little-known secret, some larger libraries will allow non-residents to get a library card if they pay a set fee a year, which is usually around $50. So, as long as you read oh, maybe 5 plus books a year, you'll likely be farther ahead than if you're buying all of them straight up. I know my local library system, which is the Los Angeles Public Library, does this. The little annoying quirk about the LAPL's program is you have to apply in person. So if you ever have a vacation planned for Southern California, stop into the gorgeous downtown Central Library branch, take a tour, marvel at the architecture, view some exhibits, learn about the tragic fire that burned down the city treasure 30 years ago, and then get yourself a non-resident card and enjoy one of the most comprehensive e-library systems in the world. It's, pardon my French, effing awesome. In future episodes, we'll talk through my personal methods for dealing with hold wait times, max hold limits, three-week checkout time limits, and limits on how many books you can check out at a time. But for now, I think that's enough for us all to talk about, chat about, and ruminate on. So I'd love to hear about what your preferred system for getting your book fix is. Talk to me on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, or you can email me at thegwendolynreadingmethod at gmail.com. The links to all my socials and my email will be in the show notes. All right, let's go on to talk about the books I recently finished. I've included all the names of these books and their authors in the show notes, so you can always reference that if you need. So I finished three books. Uh, the first mystery suspense book I finished is The Silence of the Lambs, Hannibal Lecter number two by Thomas Harris. I'm sure this book needs no introduction, but just in case you haven't heard of it, Hannibal Lecter is a psychiatrist who likes to eat people which is why he's in prison, but he still tries to eat people's faces any chance he gets, so he's pretty much in a complete lockdown, but he still knows a lot of stuff, which the FBI is never quite certain if he knows them because he's just super smart, or if he has some sort of insider knowledge about the murders. Either way, they're desperate to know what he knows, but he refuses to give them anything. So they pull Clarice from FBI training in hopes, I guess, that a young hot thing will help him open up more or something, but they didn't count on how unpredictable Hannibal Lecter is or how smart, driven, and not a missish young miss that Clarice is. This book is a masterpiece, and this is coming from someone who was less than impressed with Red Dragon, which just felt very dated to me. But seven years later, Thomas Harris seems to have been a much better writer, and this book is timeless. Hannibal Lecter you kind of expect to be amazing, but I was really pleasantly surprised at how well he wrote Clarice. She's a complex female character that doesn't get caught up in the typical male author tropes and who you can fully relate to. So again, Silence of the Lambs gets my total recommendation. I actually knocked off both the mystery books I've been reading in the last couple weeks, so I am in the market for another mystery suspense book if anyone has a suggestion. The final mystery book that I just finished was Yarned and Dangerous by Sadie Hartwell. Yes, Yarned and Dangerous. Last time we talked, I mentioned that I was not digging it so much, and that did not change since then. The basic plot to this thing is that Josie has has to go take care of her uncle after he ended up in the hospital and also help close out his dead wife's yarn store and then people start dying. I 
didn't love the title, liked the concept, the execution was just less than enthralling. I will renew my plea from the last episode. I desperately need good tea cozy mystery recommendations. Please help. Alright, uh, one side note before we got to the last book that I did finish, I did end up DNFing one book, or, or also known as I gave up on it, which was The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, the first volume. I'm just not someone who loves super morbidness. I liked my cheerful Sabrina, so this comic was not for me. Alright, so the final book I finished uh, in the last couple weeks was the contemporary romance uh, Rebel Hard, Hard Play number two by Nalini Singh. I mentioned in the last episode that Nalini Singh is one of my favorite authors, and I'm super excited to see her writing more in the contemporary romance genre. And even more excited that this book has two Indian leads. This is set in New Zealand because that's where Nalini Singh lives. Nina has agreed to an arranged marriage, but before she settles down, she wants one wild fling. She sees Raj at a party, decides he's perfect for a fling. Uh, unfortunately, he kind of wants to date her, and when she blurts out that she only wants him for his body, she ends up running off mortified. Well, guess who shows up as the next arranged marriage candidate? Uh, yes, Raj. But now, right, is no longer sure she really wants to settle down to the life expected of her until she has a chance to really live independently. But she's also really kinda into Raj. The story kinda flows from there. This floundered at points as it occasionally failed to satisfyingly flesh out the relationship outside of how it related to the cultural generation clash that is the major conflict of the storyline, but that's kinda nitpicking. This is a unique, diverse read, and I'm hoping this helps spark a trend in contemporary romance. Alright, moving on to my current reads. Okay guys, so this is where the show goes really bananas every week. Because I read a lot of books at the same time. Uh, we'll do a psychological analysis in a future episode on why I do that. But what you need to know right now is I read a lot of books at the same time. All those books will be listed in the show notes so you can reference them and you'll probably need to. I won't dwell a lot on them in this episode. Uh, I'll wait for that until I finish them and do a final review, uh, but this will let you follow along with my crazy reading life, and I'll give a barometer on how I'm feeling about each of the books that have been a part of my reading landscape for the week, and this will allow you to chime in to encourage me forward, warn me off, or tell me why I'm so wrong for not liking a book I'm in the middle of. So, since we last talked, I started Dr. Strangebeard, Winston Brothers number 5 by Penny Reed. This is contemporary romance. They're the books with the men in beards cross-stitched on the covers, if you've ever seen them. They're really cute. Anyway, this is one of my favorite series. She always has such adorably quirky characters. This one has a male lead with an almost perfect memory, which is more a curse than a blessing at times. And the coupleness is also multiracial, which is always a thumbs up for me. I am tearing through this book. I will almost definitely be done with it before we talk again next time. I'm still struggling through From Twinkle with Love by Sandhya Menon. It's one of my current young adult picks. I loved her first book when Dimple met Rishi, but this doesn't even feel like it's written by the same author. Am I 
wrong? Come on, tell me if I'm wrong. I only completed an additional 8% since last time we talked, which puts me at only 28% of the way done with this book. Oh my god, guys, I am falling in love with Circe. Circe, I don't know if I'm saying that right. Anyway, I'm falling more in love with this as I read further in. This is by Madeline Miller. This is my fantasy read right now. It's a retelling of Greek mythology, and it's so magical in multiple ways, but mostly in the tingly, oh my god, this is an epic book way. The writing is gorgeous, and all my Goodreads updates are just variations of so damn good over and over again. I devoured another 31% of this book since we last talked, which puts me about one-third of the way through. So if you want to fangirl with me, just make sure you don't spoil it for me because I am in love with this book. Again, that's Circe by Madeline Miller. I'm having a surprisingly hard time with the newest book in one of my all-time favorite paranormal romance series, Psy Changeling by Nalini Singh. You might remember Nalini Singh is also the author of the contemporary romance we just talked about. Ocean Light is book two in her Psy Changeling Trinity sub-series from the Psy Changeling series. And for reasons unknown, and I don't know why, I'm just not connecting with the characters at a visceral level like I usually do with her books. I've gotten through another 9% to make it to 39% done, but it's been a slog. As I mentioned last time, I'm reading my way through the complete poems of Emily Dickinson, one poem a day. I've made it through 2% since we last talked, making it to 90%. Guys, I still need other recommendations on poets I should be reading, maybe more modern poets. Uh, anyway, I want to share a poem that I just read that kind of represents why quiet, reclusive Emily Dickinson was such a formidable poet. It's called evening. The cricket sang and set the sun, and workmen finished one by one, there seem the day upon. The low grass loaded with the dew, the twilight stood as strangers do, with hat in hand polite and new, to stay as if or go. A vastness as a neighbor came, a wisdom without face or name, a peace as hemispheres at home, and so the night became. End of poem. Pretty cool, right? All right, moving on from poetry, oh, let's do some new adult. I'm on the home stretch with Abby Glines as she fades. I've gotten through a whopping 23 additional percent since we last talked, bringing me to 81% at the moment. Eh, so the last percentages should take me about 30 minutes to complete, so likely we'll talk about my final review of this one next time we talk. But for a quick update, if you remember last time, I was so bored with this book. It was such a typical new adult story. But since then, there was a twist, and now it's not so typical, and I'm just confused. So I'm pretty curious to see where it ends up and I will coalesce into a final review for you next time. I am almost done with my reread of one of my favorite childhood books, Redwall by Ryan Jock. I hammered through 21% of this book since we last talked and I'm sitting at 92%. So gad nummit, I will be done with this book the next time we talk by hook or by crook. Oh my god, guys, this book is so violent! The entire book is just bad guys getting slaughtered in more gruesome ways. It's like a, it's like a gruesome version of Home Alone where the bad guys all die every two pages. And, and, and what was made it even more horrific 
was every time they did, it usually ended with a cheerful little exclamation point. I'm just kind of in shock. Okay guys, I figured out why I kept thinking that Lori Foster was one of my favorite authors and then getting confused when I read her books and they were okay. I'd been getting her confused with Julie James. I don't know how, those names aren't even close to each other. Lori Foster did have one book that I loved, shout out to When You Dare, but she's not one of my all-time favorite authors like Julie James is, so I think I was putting way too high of expectations on the book of Lori Foster's that I'm currently reading called Getting Rowdy, Love Undercover Number 3. Still not gonna be one of my favorite books, but it isn't bugging me as much as it did the last time we talked. I made it through another 9% and I'm sitting at 71% right now. My a little known author pick currently is Chasing Swells by A.L. Golden, which I am enjoying. I made it through 11% more to 40% of this book. My only quibble at the moment is they're pulling the trope of pretty skinny girl eats anything she wants, and that turns the guy on but somehow she never gains weight. It's annoying. My other YA book I'm reading is Undead Girl Gang by Lily Anderson, and if you remember last time, I was so over it. It was driving me crazy with a simplistic plotline. Now only 1% later, it's gotten quite a bit better. There's some plot mechanics here that are actually getting kind of entertaining and how far the undead can be from their maker, which makes for hijinks. I'm one third of the way through, uh, I'm, I'm gonna see where this one goes. Okay, so for the following books, I'm still slowly trucking my way through them, and I don't really have any major updates on them since we last talked about them, so we'll just go through them really quickly. I made it through an additional 4% of Dust by Hugh Howey, Silo number 3, which is my current sci-fi read. I am now 19% in. I chowed down on another 4% of one of my non-fiction books, Leadership Presence by Kathy Lubar and Belle Linda Halpern, getting me to 31% done. I meditatively made it through another 2% of my Cognitive Behavioral Therapy for Dummies book, leaving me at 63% done. My historical romance right now is Seven Minutes in Heaven, Desperate Duchesses by the Numbers, number three by Eloisa James. I made it to 10% of this book so far, and so far so good. Monstrous Volume 1, a comic book, made it 17% more through to 80%, still beautifully illustrated and very morbid. Got through another 2% of Small Great Things by Judy Picoult, going super slow, but I've got like a month and a half till our office book club, so I'm I'm good. So for the following books, my loan from the library ran out and I'm still waiting on hold for them to come back around again. Born of Legend by Sherilyn Kenyon, a League series sci-fi romance book. Wicked and the Wallflower is Sarah McLean's latest historical romance, Lonesome Dove, that classic piece of western fiction. Okay, so the following books I haven't started yet, but I'm also waiting on hold for them. They are The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo by Taylor Jenkins Reid, which everyone seems obsessed with right now, and is the book for my normal book club for the month. If you read it, let me know what I should expect. And then I'm also on hold for Wildcard by Marie Lu. I loved book one in this series, but I'm a little trepidatious about this one because while it has a high rating on Goodreads, I've heard some anecdotal reviews that haven't been all that stellar. So tell me what I should expect if you have already had a chance to read it. All right, it's time for my final recommendation. One of my favorite of all favorite books that I think everyone should absolutely read. This time I'm going to give a shout out to an excellent historical romance book called Compromise by Kate Noble, which I reread this year five years after having read it for the first time and loving it then, and I loved it again this time. It gets one of my rare five out of five ratings. I am 
so stingy on the five out of five star ratings, guys. Maybe a couple of books get it every year. So this is really high praise from me. So the plot is Gail, our heroine, does not want to be attending the season, but her stepmother insists she be there alongside her beautiful sister Evangeline. Then she's an encounter with Max, Viscount Fontaine, in the park, which ends up with both of them in the lake. Uh, that could have been the end of that, but Max soon finds himself in a compromising position with her sister Evangeline, and finds himself in a sudden engagement that puts him in the company of his new fiancé sister, an awful lot. This is just such a well-written example of the historical romance genre. You can't help but like the characters and be interested in their lives. So if you love historical romance or if you've been wanting to try the genre, this book, this is the one you should read. Okay, wow, let's talk. You can email me, tweet at me, Facebook me, Instagram me, email me, uh, whatever you want. Let's just talk. Links to all things in the show notes. Talk soon.